Welcome to episode 87 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about how they're developing trees to more efficiently combat climate change. And I share how some Americans and Brits think they would fare in a hand-to-hand combat against various animals. We learn about two awesome South American inhabitants and about our adorable animal of the week. So let's jump into episode 87 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. to episode 87 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super cool animals. But before we get into that, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I went to the zoo with my mom and my brother. You went to the zoo after I went to the zoo. How was it? It was fun. It was surprising. We went on a Saturday and it wasn't crazy busy. Wow. I know. I think it's because it's pride, so... A lot of the parking, I think, is deceptive because there's people parking there for pride. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's funny because my cl- mom claims this. I don't know if it's actually true, but she said on her on our way down there that there was someone up on the bridge on the uh, way to the zoo and that somebody was showing their tits. <laughs> Possible. I know. So, cool beans. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, we went. It was I was surprised it wasn't as crazy busy as it was, because um, it was a Saturday. Yeah. It was very hot. It's the summer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I finally got to see the axolotl because the first time they weren't on exhibit, and now when I went into that area, I could see it, but I could not get a picture because of how it was angled. It was horrible because lower most of the body underwater, but then it's a bit of its head you can see over its fake plants. Oh, did you get to see its face, though? I could see its face. I couldn't get a picture so, of it. I don't care if you get a picture. I just want to see its face. Yeah. I'm jealous. Okay. I got to see its face. It's Ugh. a cute little face. Also, just a side note. I am wearing my axolotl shirt. Yes. And he has the little frilly things on the side that yep. Allie did not know what I were. I forgot what they were. Well, I knew at one point. I knew we had talked about them. I was like, I don't yeah. remember. I, for some reason, I thought they were sensing something. Like, they were little... Nope. They're gills. I don't remember it, guys. They're it's for really breathing. Bad. I don't know how I forgot it. You've seen the titty caca frog there, frog there too, right? I, I don't know if I saw it. Last time I went, we def- we didn't really look at all no. of those things. So we didn't do that. I terrified her with the spiders. Um, and then mm. and the ant- leaf cutters weren't really carrying leaves. Um, really? Yeah, we definitely didn't see it then. I don't remember if I saw it the first time I went. I don't think I did. Hmm. Anyway, where yeah. is it? Is it by the axolotl? Yeah, it's literally two tanks over. I don't think I saw it. Well, I need to go back again on my own and just, like, wait for families to move and be like, mm. mm-hmm. my axolotl, <laughs> my all of the things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's also one of the stick insects looks a lot like a Lord Howe stick insect, and it's from, like, New Zealand or somewhere over there. Anyway, but it's not that. Continue Pretty on. sure that's a New Guinea stick insect. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it looks kind of like it. Continue on. Yeah, I've seen that one, too. Um, and I got to see the whip spiders, which I didn't get to see last time because they were too well hidden. Oh, I love whip spiders. They're really cool because they're not spiders. What do they look like? They kind of have little... They have really long antennas that kind of like look like claws. Okay, we're just going to go to the zoo together. We're just going to fix this. Okay. Yeah, you're not looking well enough. 
apparently. Well, part of the problem is it's usually like families and a bunch of people crowding in, which is always the problem with the reptile habitat too. So usually the reptile habitat, I'm just like found it and then move on because it's like all the people. And also with COVID spreading like crazy, I'm like I don't want to, I don't want to be near you, and I don't want to have to put my mask on. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine accepting COVID now. It's like, I've lived my best years. I'll go out. Hopefully, I'll get a new variant and I will just charge through all crowded centers like, Mother Earth, I'm saving ya. (laughs) For the cause. Oh, so you want to get it and then go infect a bunch of yeah. people? Great. I sent my a meme like that, just like um, gets infected with COVID, and it's a guy running through, the, and he's in a T-Rex costume. Oh, my God. It's like, me, the martyr for the cause. Oh, Lordy. Oh, uh, yeah. It's funny because, like, my brother usually doesn't, uh, usually unless we're, like, the whole family's going, he usually doesn't go with the zoo, and he's very a, much a sarcastic asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I love in the beginning of this podcast you would not curse and now you just said you just told everyone that your brother is a sarcastic asshole. It's yeah. so nice. Throw your family into the bus. Lovely. Yeah, well he's he's well aware of it. <laughs> it's not a surprise. Yeah. Uh because like we were over by Elephant Odyssey and it's like we are looking at the elephants like what kind of elephant is that and my brother's like a big one. <laughs> Oh, I think they had some African elephants over there now. Yeah. Uh, when, when did that happen? The two young males? Yeah. Yeah, they, um, it's been, they've been there about a couple months. Oh, that's why. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, since when? Yeah. Okay, anyway. I don't, I think they came from Texas. Everything comes from Texas. <laughs> You're welcome. It'll be nicer here. See, that's a one good thing about Texas. They also have a lot of zoos. They Just... do. There are some good things about Texas. Yeah. Just limited good things about Texas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you went to the zoo, and then you saw the axolotl. Yes. Did you see the titicaca frog? Yes, I did. Okay. Was it cool? I like. Yeah. It's okay. not as wrinkly as I remember, okay. but that's also probably the distortion of the glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I got to... We have three amphibians we've talked about there. And there's the giant Chinese salamander. There's a lot. There's also a naked mole rat over shortly. Like, that yes. whole area is a bunch of animals we've talked about. Yes. Oh, yeah. And the naked mole rats have babies. Oh, they do? They have babies. Dang it. I didn't see. Mm. I have to go to the zoo. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the naked mole rats. And then also um, the rhinoceros beetles over there, too. Mm-hmm. I did a, not see the rhinoceros beetles. The whole section is just time. like, and if they had better yeah. signage that didn't go through it, I could be like. You need to be patient in just watch no, the sun. I want to be able to like, get a little map and be like, all these animals that we... I want to be able to put something... We should put that on our Patreon. Like, uh, something that says, like, at the park in the zoo... They keep changing it, though. <laughs> all the animals we've talked about that you can see. I'm like, this is where you can see these animals. It is cool. Now I'm trying to, like, think if Monterey Aquarium had those electronic suns now. Because they have a lot of fish. Uh, it's been a long time since I've yeah. been there, so... I just... I, I mean, if you're going to do that, you should anyway. only scroll through two. You should only have two options if you're going to do that. Anyway, continue That's on. That's not ego friendly. I don't like it. Also, it's <laughs> oh like it also you're not. It's not like you're using it and you're throwing it away a month later. Like it's gonna be there for years unless it gets yeah. super messed up. So it's not like mm-hmm. it's that uneco friendly because it's gonna be there a long time. Carbon emissions. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, it was funny. Um, we were like near the swinging bridge and. There's the Kawadi exhibit right there. Yeah. It was very active this time. Other times, he really? was just napping. But no, he was yeah, no, they didn't want to do going anything. all over the place this time. They stole all of our animals, man. They stole so many of our animals. 
So are the Kawadis not at the safari no. park at Nam? <gasps> I haven't What's seen What's in them? that area then? I didn't see anything. I went over there and I'm like, where are the Kawadis? And then when I went to the zoo, I'm like, oh, this is where the Kawadis are. And then the Fendic foxes are all down there now too, in multiple places. And yeah. then <laughs> the mongoose are both places. And then um, what else did they steal? They stole a bunch of stuff from us, man. Well, keep in mind, that's kind of what the safari park was meant to do I mean, initially. Yeah. It's like just breed them and then they go to the zoo. Yeah, but I don't like it. Yeah. Anyway. Back to the roots. <laughs> wow. Okay, anyway, so you went to the zoo. What else did you see there? Uh, did you have pizza? No, we didn't eat there. We, oh, okay, <laughs> we yeah. picked Jack in the Box. I mean, that's a good choice. Afterwards, and I got, I decided, you know what, I'll do something different. I got the buttermilk crispy chicken sandwich, and I loved it. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun, mainly because it just wasn't crazy busy like I thought it was going to be. Yeah, usually yeah. on a Saturday. Oh, oh God. And um, in Spineless Marvels, um, this time, the first time I went, because it was brand new, they didn't have them. But there's butterflies now in that one area. In the... Oh, where the yes, ants are where also. the ants are. Yeah, yeah. I saw those. Mm -hmm. I did see those. Is yes. that where the salamander is supposed to be? Where is the salamander supposed the to be? The salamander? No, they're in the cool critters. The giant salamander? I yeah. Know. It's in a giant tank in the same room. I've never seen it. Yes, you go. Okay, Axolotl is in one side Wait, of that there room. We go. Okay, yeah. Go to the other side. It's the aquarium on your right, on your way out hmm. of the opposite nope, side. Nope, never seen him in it. Yes. I just haven't seen He's him in it. He's in the log. Okay. He's always in the log. <laughs> he loves his log. All right. They also have a lungfish in the aquarium on the opposite side. Okay, I sort of saw that because yeah. it was crowded, but I, I think I saw it like face. But mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. He right. always is right against the bottom panel. It's like move so I can see you and adore you. No, he doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because like um, when I first saw the leafcutter ants, they had like the tiny walnut size little fungus gardens and now it takes up the whole giant sphere <laughs> <laughs> i need to just go during the week mm -hmm. like on my own and just like take my time and chillax there yeah so i can really look at everything mm -hmm. i mean easily you can spend over an hour in just that section alone yeah i'm very sad they took that eagle statue down though mm -hmm. anyway yeah my mom spent we always spend a lot big time over in elephant aussie because it's the jaguar and the lions. My mom always has to spend like 30 minutes by the lions. Wow. Seriously, like she's always waiting for them to get up. It's like, he's not getting up. It's a lion. They're going to sleep. That's, see, that's one of those, like, their enclosure is terrible. Same thing with the jaguar. It's pretty bad. Um, also, it's better than the lion, but not great. And the one on top is really bad. Yeah. Anyway. And they do uh, switch them up. I know, but it's still bad. And then, um, mm -hmm. and the hippos are being drained, not the hippos themselves, but the hippo enclosure is being drained right now. Yeah, I saw that. It's like, it's empty. They're over where the rhino, rhino used to is, be. Yeah, it's, yeah like, it's weird. And then, I, which I can't imagine they like. And then also, it's just strange because I'm happy we did the bus first because we did the bus and that's when we saw that. And we were on the upper deck, so we really saw it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'm happy we didn't come down Tiger Trail because like that's, and I didn't see the copy out either. So I'm like, okay, so we would have seen the tiger and that would have literally been it. <laughs> anyway so yeah but it was nice overall it was a fun day yay uh, we didn't go to the reptile house that day but i did we always do the reptile walk yeah it's so hard for me to get my family to go through the reptiles <laughs> mm. i my was sad mom... when i brought my friend because the kimonos weren't really out mm. they're so cool when they're moving around yeah. you know anyway oh yeah. but we oh. did we did see the tortoises getting it on 
Oh, yeah. And we heard them getting it on, because that's a fun... Ah! And the Shelta Pusik, I actually was able to show her, so I was excited about that. I had to explain to some people why the Shelta Pusik is a legless lizard and not a snake. Yeah. <laughs> also, that turtle thing was not an ant. Eh, it was like a grunt. <laughs> Closer. I was just okay, like, Okay, which tortoises? Weird. So I can make them. <laughs> it was the ones that are almost not not all the way down, because those aren't the Galapagos. I think they were the Galapagos still, but they're like the furthest one down. Oh, by the gharials? Kind of. They're not all the way to the gharials, but they're the closest Okay. To those. So probably the brown tortoises, I think. I don't know. They're real big and he was very loud. Mm. And it was dramatic. Anyway, so good times. All right. But yes, yeah, so you went to the zoo. Good mm-hmm. times. We'll have to go again. Um, and we have to start doing our field trips, which we haven't decided what we're doing yet. I have a feeling it's probably going to be birch if the tide pools are not in our favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so I started watching. I don't even know how I got onto this. It must have just been YouTube and one of those like suggested things. And it's called Vet on the Hill. And it's an Australian dude who's a vet in England. <laughs> anyway, but it's just like, it's just, it's, it's a vet show. It's like any vet show, which should be on Animal Planet because that's like the kind of show they should have. Anyway. What's on Animal Planet now? I don't know. Terrible stuff. Every time I click on it, it's something stupid. Mm. Anyway, but there's a lot of Americans over there, first of all. In England? Yeah. Why are they there? Mm. They should first, be better than that. First of all, would you look at the options? <laughs> no, not England. <laughs> England anyway. is the America of Europe. Either way, still better. You don't get shot when you go grocery shopping, and the education is better. Mm. There are many things. Anyway, so there's a lot of Americans. Over there. Also, a lot of people work in other countries, you know? So um, there's a lot of Americans over there, and then um, a lot of poofy dogs, a lot of breed-specific dogs. doesn't seem like there's big on – I'm not saying the entire country, but there don't seem to be as big on rescue as <laughs> these other ones. And then he also has to go and, like, do farm stuff and, like, help out with some farm animals and help out with some, like, exotic animals – and the farm one is terrifying. This cow, so gave birth, and then the cow's acting weird. So the you know they call her out, call him out, and he goes out with the actual livestock vet. Not he's not the only one doing it. And one of its stomachs got like twisted somehow when it gave birth. So like it, it messes everything mm-hmm. up. They just cut it open, and they reach their whole arm in and like stick a needle in to drain something, and then flip the stomach out and like. Is deep in a cow, not in the cow's poo poo, or not in their butt, or in their vajayjay. It is in the side of the cow, and I'm like, this is a horror. This is a horror show. And then they just, you know, suture him up, and he's fine, or suture her up, and she's fine. And I'm just like, oh my god, that's so weird. That was weird. And then he goes to different places, and they have different exotic animals. Usually, I get them as rescues and stuff. And when they're like, what is that? And I was like, I know what that is. It's a raccoon dog. They had a raccoon dog, and that was really cool. And then just, like, neutering over there seems weird. Also, they definitely just say castrating. Here we say, like, fixing and neutering and spaying. Yeah, because we're prudes. And they do say spaying. (laughs) They say spaying, but they say castration for the boys. Anyway, and a lot of people... Because they see it as more cruel. I guess. (laughs) A lot of people have... um, I feel like dog show people were born in England. (laughs) They came from there, so, you know. No, they come from space. Okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, they have a lot of pugs, a lot of a lot of the smushy face, brassocephalic, whatever those are called. I can't say the word right now. Anyway. Brachocephalic. Thank you. There we go. Those guys who can't breathe. So one of the most common things he's doing is trimming their soft palate 
and making their nostrils bigger. That's one of the most common things he's having to do constantly. I'm just like, yeah. oh my gosh. Also, one of their soft palates, I'm like, I don't know how this dog breathes. Because the soft palate completely covers it. I was like, jeez, no wonder you can't breathe, dog. Yeah, I saw this one TikTok. Um, and there's an audio. What happens is like people will make a video and then you'll stitch it and making a response to it. And one of them was like, what is one thing in life that you cannot enjoy now because of um, your job and this one vet tech was saying people's dogs they tell they show me like their French is like oh no I can't enjoy this I know what you're going through oh no it's oh. terrible I'm like why do they breathe these it's just terrible it's mm -hmm. poor dog and they're so cute but like they just this one's saying they're not good at existing like they just can't breathe it's just a mm -hmm. mess anyway so and then just other issues and stuff but so that happens all the time they seem to blow their crucius ligament a lot something like that happens to a lot of dogs and their hips get all funky it's just crazy anyway so sky's all over the place it's just interesting i've forgotten because so, i haven't watched it now in a little bit but um but it's just funny like see british lingo and just british things it just it entertains me and then he's an aussie so it's just weird and it's great and they have hedgehogs up there you can legally have i think an african pygmy hedgehog so there's a mm -hmm. lot of hedgehogs and they get gross a lot and i'm like this poor little thing so you gotta do surgery on these little tiny animals it's terrifying and the little guinea pig came in and it jumped off the person's lap and broke its leg and they had to amputate the leg. <sighs> I'd be so stressed out having to do any kind of surgery on something that small. Like, you're going to die. If I just look at you, you're going to die. <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. And things do die a lot, so it's very sad. Yep. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, so it was entertaining, though. But I just it just entertains me because he's Aussie in, in England, so it's just a variety of accents. And then there's a lot of American people, and I'm like, okay, that's weird, but all right. Anyway, so yeah, but a lot of fluffy dogs that are just not real dogs. There aren't a ton of them. And then there's one where they have to, this dog comes in an emergency situation. I don't know what the issue is, but it needed a blood transfusion, which I guess vets just don't have blood on standby. I don't know. People do, obviously. I never thought about that with dogs. So they had to have one of the vet techs, well, they call them vet nurses over there, come in with his friggin' newfie. And then they <laughs> drain the Newfie because they're like, we need a big dog yeah. so we can take a lot of blood without it, like, passing out on us. Yeah. The Newfie was not happy about it. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. And then they, yeah, took the blood from the Newfie and gave it to the dog didn't make it anyway. But anyway, so poor Newfie. But anyway, it was just, it's a crazy situation. But I kind of recommend it. If that was on Animal Planet, it would be a better situation. What was it on? I think it's called Bondi Vet? Bondi Vet? It's obviously an Australian thing because they have some other vet on there too. But then they have, like, full episodes of it. I don't know what clip I saw. I must have seen some clip, and then I saw, like, a full episode, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch this. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Hmm. But he also, also just my filmmaking side, I'm like, oh, this is so staged. Because, like, they go to their houses, and they do, like, oh, we're just going to meet here. And some of it, I'm like, how did they get these people to do this? Because there is no way I would agree to be on camera if I'm bringing my dog in for something serious, or my cat in for something serious. I'm like, I'm going to be crying. I'm going to be a mess. Like... It's terrible. And some of them die unexpectedly just because anesthesia. Also, it's terrifying how many animals stop breathing under anesthesia. Terrifying. Oh, I should tell you. I don't know if I told you this yet. What? Big cats. Yeah. When they undergo anesthesia, a lot of times they will seizure. Really? Yes. They'll just start convulsing. That would make everybody's life difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, it's pretty crazy. Mm. So anyway, yeah, but the cow one freaked me out. I was like, whoa, your arm is in this cow that is standing. And with a donkey, they drilled a hole into its skull to drain its sinuses. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, my God, man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy what they do. Anyway, it's just 
And then they have, like, shows. So probably what he does is, like, goes and helps with, like, their sheep and stuff, like, rams and cows for shows and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is where we get it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So there you go. All right. Well, let's get into what we want to talk about today. It looks like Casey has something interesting. Yes. So have you seen, like, uh, the Twitter account where it's, like, uh, celebrities and their private planes and how much like emissions they're producing because they're going on these really short flights i have not seen that i've just seen a lot of people who are the climate activists but then they take private jets everywhere so yeah Yeah. because like a big news story recently was kylie jenner Mm -hmm. took like a 15 minute flight on her private jet are you serious that does not surprise me at all but like come on you know who's the worst offender taylor swift oh really yeah because apparently she lets a lot of people use her private jets Oh, that okay. was people's defense of her. I was like, I don't think that makes anything better, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and my sister was telling me, like, this one person, I have no idea who this celebrity is. I can't remember the name. But apparently, whenever she uses a jet, uh, private her private jet, she'll go out and plant, like, 10 trees. It's like, they're doing something. <laughs> it's like, well, the impact probably is not as great because one of the problems with trees is they take a long time to, to grow. grow. Yeah. And there is a uh, biotech company that is trying to fix that. Okay. By making these kind of super power trees. Because they have used genetic editing to uh, modify the genome of mostly poplar trees. The reason they go with that is because those ones are very well studied and we've already sequenced their genomes. And what they did is they enhanced the genes so they increases the photo- their photosynthesis productivity. Which causes increased growth. And in theory, this helps them sequester more carbon. Okay. So it increases their scope by 39 to 50%, and they have shown that this can help capture about 27% more carbon. And um, also a good thing with the trees, because the problem with trees is naturally would be that they will eventually decay, but the good thing about this is they can process those trees and actually use the lumber, and that way they, won't, they will be put to use, and the carbon won't later get released. Okay, so since they're just going to harvest them, yes. use them as lumber, and then they're going to replant new ones and just keep doing that? Is that the plan? Yes, so the plan is to increase... What they're working with is using carbon credits, which is a complicated economic system I'm not going to go into right now, okay. to help fuel the company right now. And um, for some, they are providing very cheap costs in order to plant these trees. You can even go onto their website and buy some. That's going to be a bit more expensive than some of the other ways you can get them. But yeah, they're trying to increase the amount of trees because we already plant millions of trees every year in the United States. So if we could replace those with these genetically modified trees that can sequester more carbon, yeah, they'll be more efficient and it'll help um, uh, reverse the impacts of climate change because even if we went... um, 100% 100% green energy and no carbon pollutions. That doesn't negate the effects of the carbon we've already released into the atmosphere. And this is a way to counteract that. Hmm. Okay, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I love when you said that's one of the less expensive ways to get this, and my thought immediately was to steal them. So where do people get them if, like, you just want to get one? So the company is called Living Carbon. Um, I cannot. They have set amount of prices as like for how many saplings you get. I think the lowest amount is three, and it's like somewhere between 10 to $20, something like that. Oh, that's doable. Mm-hmm. I want one of these fancy trees. 
How much room do they need? If they get really big? They're pine trees. So, yeah. Well, I, oh, pine tree. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I don't want to do Yeah, but they are trying to work so they can use this technology on other plant species. Yeah, that would be good Mm -hmm. if it was a not so big tree that makes a mess and is a massive fire (laughs) danger. All right, but that's, anyway, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That sounds awesome. I just want to plant trees and I want the world to be a better place. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I think I briefly mentioned this before, but I looked up the full article. And if I've done this before, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure we didn't go into it fully and I just said what I remember my dad telling me. So my dad told me this a while ago and I just stumbled upon it and I had to share it with you. So this was a poll. Again, I don't know the scientific, how they did this. I don't know the poll size. I don't know what they did. If this, anyway, obviously it's they not. They didn't reference it? Not really. They don't even say how many people they polled. And I don't know if people had to go there, so it's not a really good sample size. Anyway, point being, they polled Americans and Brits to see if they thought they could win in a hand-to-hand combat. You have no weapons. That's the thing, right? No weapons. And see if you think you can win against various animals. So I don't know. Who do I start with, Casey? Do I start with Americans or Brits? Start with Americans. Okay, Americans. Overall, Americans. America first. As per, well, <laughs> as per usual, um, <laughs> Americans think they're very tough and have no um, actual common sense <laughs> with a lot of things. Um, so, so basically, once I get this, <laughs> this is remember if you can beat this animal in a hand to hand combat, no weapons, just what you are born with and what they are born with, and can you win this fight? I really wish that it would say. I know it's crazy. You, I've told you this before, and you're already that was the entertained. Pictures. Oh yeah, yeah, they're pretty great. Um, they're pretty good. Anyway, um, so, so the a surprising amount. Many things are going to surprise you, folks. There's so many things. So, seventy-two percent of people think that they can win in a fight against a rat. Math. What is that? Twenty-eight percent then don't think they can win against a rat you can win against a rat folks like you're gonna get bit but you can win that fight i don't know why it's only 72 i think it's because people are afraid of them anyway maybe they think they're gonna give them a disease and they're gonna die later we'll get to it okay so then we have next is a house cat 69 percent of people think that they can win against a house cat again house cats can be tough but How's it less than rat? You should. They got claws. There's. Do you remember that nine one one call of the people? Oh wait, who no. I think I'm getting things mixed up now. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, and then sixty one percent of people think they can beat a goose. Look, goose. They're mean. They're mean things. But you can win that fight, <laughs> y'all. You can win that. Medium, it'll be it'll be bloody though. It will be gr- It's gonna be bad. You're gonna get. You're gonna get pecked real bad. And they're mean and aggressive. But you can win that. A medium-sized dog. 49% of Americans think they can win in this. Medium-sized dog, you should be able to handle. I think you should be able to handle that. What's the definition of a medium-sized? They don't say. My personal definition would be like an Aussie Shepherd. I would say that. Like Aussie Shepherd to like a Cocker Spaniel. That's where I would put mediums. What's large? Give me a reference. Well, I would say most people say like a lab is large. And then you have giants. Would you be your like Great Danes and stuff? Anyway, um... That's my reference. I don't know what their reference is, but they probably didn't describe that, so people are just imagining whatever they're imagining. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They might be thinking of a friggin' Jack Russell Terrier that they can't beat. <laughs> anyway, then we have an eagle. 30% of people think that they can beat an eagle. Now, they're going to mess you up. I guess if they get a, a, an important artery, 
they might win that fight. But I feel like you should still be yeah. able to win that fight. They weigh like five pounds. Yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> you you should be able to win that. Again, you're going to get messed up. Let's not forget that. But unless they get an important artery, you should be good. Large dog. 23% of people think they can beat that. This is where I'm getting into, yeah, no. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be tough to do with just your hands. That's going to be mm-hmm. a tough one. A large dog, that's, that's going to be tougher. And then we have a chimpanzee, folks. 17% of people think they can win against a chimpanzee. No, you cannot. <laughs> you cannot win that fight. That is not a fight you are ever going to win. Do you remember the story of the woman getting her face ripped off by a chimpanzee? It's just, it's not a good situation. 15% of people think they can win against a king cobra. I mean, I guess technically, if you can get it and like break the neck before it <laughs> bites you, that's going to be a draw. <laughs> You're just both going to die. Well, keep them. It's gonna look you in the eye. <laughs> it is. You have to get around it, and like you gotta, you gotta get a bob and weave, bob and weave, and grab it. Um. Anyway, so fifteen percent, a kangaroo, fourteen percent. I think that's being accurate. I mean, those can mess you up. I would not want to fight a kangaroo. Twelve percent of people think they can beat a wolf. No, you cannot. You cannot beat a wolf. Not with your hands. You can't do it. It's not gonna happen. Um. Nine percent of people think they can beat a crocodile. With just your hands. Now, they did not specify if this is a baby crocodile. Even a baby would be hard to kill. <laughs> like, you're not winning that fight. Well, here. not hatchling baby. Well, no, I'm saying like a baby baby. Yeah, you could do. But like, if it's a midsize or a large crocodile, yeah. like, you think you're going to beat a Nile crocodile? You think you're taking that on? You ain't winning that. Uh, 8% of people think they can beat a gorilla. No, you cannot. You cannot win that fight. This is the best part, y'all. Americans. I just... I I should have gone Brits first so you can see the ridiculousness. (sighs) Okay. 8% of people in America that they polled think they can beat an elephant in a hand-to-hand combat. No, you cannot. You cannot win that fight. The same percentage of people think they can beat a lion. No, you cannot. And 6%, I don't know why 6% think they can beat a grizzly bear. Why is that less than an elephant? All those fails, you'll play dead. I mean, I don't know. Grizzly bear is still bad. You're not winning that fight. That is your chance. I mean, most of these animals, you just have to hope they get bored and leave because, like, you're not winning that fight. What are you talking about? How do 8% of people think you can beat an elephant? You cannot. It has to be a small sample size or something. It got to be a like, small sample size. Some idiots. Anyway, so comparatively, these are the same percentages, same animals, I should say. Where's your methodology? To the Brits. To the Brits. 67% of people in Britain, of Brits, think that they can beat a rat. So they are more afraid of rats than Americans are. 66% of them think they can beat a house cat. Okay. They're still not as tough as Americans. 45% think they can beat a goose. Um, so, again, they're terrified of geese. <laughs> uh, Americans were hot, far higher. 38% think they can beat a medium-sized dog. So far, everything is less, y'all. Eagle, 18% think they can beat that. I, y'all, you can win that fight. Um, 13, uh, said they could, 13% said they could beat a large dog. Okay. Not likely, but again, Brits are a little more accurate here. Uh, 10% think they can beat a chimpanzee. Nope. 7% think they can beat a king cobra. 5% think they can beat a kangaroo. 4 for a wolf. 3 for a crocodile. Have you never seen one? I don't understand, Britons. What's wrong with you? At least you're still better than Americans, but still. 
2% for a grizzly bear, 2% for an elephant, 2% for a lion, and 2% for a gorilla. I would agree with them, except for the crocodile should also be in that 2%. Well, it should be a 0%, but it should be in that low percent category. You're not winning. None of you are winning these fights. I just can't, y'all. The fact that people don't think they can win against rats, <laughs> but then they think the they can will win. will get them. But that, I mean, you might die later if you get a disease from it, but, like, you can't beat an elephant, y'all. I don't know what you're thinking. <sighs> People. Do they specify a baby elephant? No, they don't specify a size. You're not beating a baby elephant. <laughs> 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 to me, if you're winning in a fight, that means you have to kill it, because unless it just leaves. Uh, so, like, you I can't. How are you yeah. killing a baby elephant? You think you're killing a baby elephant with your hands? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think mm. so. You just hold it and hope it can hold still long enough to starve to death, I guess is your, your technique there, because, like, that's not going to work. Anyway, blows my mind. All these people are crazy, but particularly, of course, as we already knew, Americans are crazier. Again, sample size, eh, we don't know how to go with this, but still, that, but it tracks. It tracks that Americans would think that. So, mm. anyway, moving along, I just had to entertain you with that. Into our pick category, and it was Casey's turn to pick this time. And Casey, what did you choose? I went with the South American canids. So theoretically, most people think they could beat these, which they should be able to. Were they involved? They star animals. They were not. None of these were okay. involved. But anyway. Also, thank goodness you did not pick the one animal that would have messed this up. Oh, dear. Well, now I want to know what that animal is. <laughs> okay, we're talking. Okay. So I want to talk about the South American canids. First, a little background. Okay. Because they are a very unique group of their own, mm-hmm. as Canada is not particularly diverse. There's only about 37 species, all in a single subfamily, Cannonae. And Cannonae breaks down to just basically two groups. Sort. Uh, the Vulpini and the Cannonae. Uh, the Vulpini are the fox-like canids. The Cannonae are the dog-like or wolf-like canids. Okay. And within Cannonae, there are the South American canids, which form their own group known as the Cerdosionina. Is that all the South American canids? Like the bush dog, the main wolf? Like, okay. Except for one. <laughs> that was part of the thing that was weird with this was you chose South American canid, and I'm like, we've put on a bush dog and a maned wolf. Those are the coolest dogs <laughs> dogs in yeah. America, in South America. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So all the are, so within this group, all are South American endemics. They're found nowhere else in the world. Okay. And there is only one canid in South America that is not a member of this group, and that is the gray fox. Okay. So I'm glad you did not pick that. I saw that. one and it had a different name to it. And I was mm-hmm. like, this doesn't seem like a distinct thing. I'm going mm-hmm. with something else. Yeah. And of course, I went based off looks. Yeah. So I want to talk about this group because it is very much characteristic of South America. Okay. And yet, they are very poorly known. And I would guess the general public would not know much about them. No, I don't think the general public... I had never heard of a bush dog before we started this. <laughs> I'd heard of a maned wolf, but barely. Probably because of the zoo. <laughs> Probably because the zoo... No, I've seen them on some nature specials, oh, really? too. Yeah. And some other stuff. Yeah. I've seen them other places. Also, I decided to look this, these, a lot of these up in um, Zoological Society of London's um, Evolutionary Distinct Geologically Endangered list. Yeah. The only and two I could find were the bush dog and the main wolf. Yeah. I could not find these other ones. When you put this category, I was like, what else is there aside from like a fox or something? Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of foxes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes. continue on. So... My choice is the short-eared dog. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't remember seeing them. Continue. Yes, so their scientific name is Atelosinus microtis. They are native to the northern region of South America, including areas of the Amazon basin, 
in countries such as Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia. They live mostly in lowland rainforests, but they have also been sometimes spotted in savannas, but they are much more common in wetland habitats. What? They're cool looking. Mm -hmm. Sightings of this species are strongly correlated with streams and rivers, indicating that this species is reliant upon nearby water systems. Lifespan is largely unknown. Some old zoo records indicate a lifespan of 9 to 11 years, possibly. They are a medium-sized canid, and evidence suggests that females are larger than the males. They measure from 72 to 100 centimeters long and weigh from 9 to 10 kilograms. The species has not been observed hunting, so much of our understanding of its food habits come from studying its scat. Studies indicate that the small-eared... By the way, this is also called the um, short-eared Zorro. So sometimes I will use that. Zorro? Like yes. the Z that stands for yes. Zorro? Yes! Mm-hmm. Now I want to put a little cape on it. Mm-hmm. So studies indicate that the small-eared zorro is a generalist predator that occasionally eats fruit. The most commonly found food item was fish. Um, and scientists have also found insects as well as many small mammals, and which includes agoutis, marsupials, and small rodents. Um, they are a unique species in that they are the only member of the genus Etylocynus. Studies have revealed that their closest living relative is another canid, also in a monotypic genus, the bush dog. I'm going to say they look closest to the bush dog to me. They also kind of look like a fusa. (laughs) Do you not see that? I do, but it's very distant. (laughs) I mean, closer to a bush dog, but like this one picture, I'm like, that basically looks like a fusa. It's just Mm -hmm. taller. Anyway, continue. Yes. So there is very little known about the this species despite its large range because it is one of the most elusive mammals in South America. You are much more likely to see a jaguar in the wild than this species. Oh, so not at all. Okay, cool. Great. It appears that the species is primarily solitary and only comes together to mate and when a female has pups. The short-eared zorro produces a strong-smelling secretion from its anal glands showing that smell is an important part of communication in this species. Along with fish being a part of its diet, evidence of a semi-aquatic lifestyle is indicated in part by its partly webbed paws. Hmm. It also has a sleek, thick coat, which would aid in with swimming through and staying warm while in the water. The Zorro has a relatively short legs, which likely help it move more efficiently through the dense vegetation of the rainforest. This species also has a very bushy tail, and it has been observed raising its tail and long fur on it um, when it is startled, likely a defense mechanism to help it seem bigger when threatened. A good amount of information on this species comes from a single individual named Oso, who was found as a puppy and sold as a semi-wild pet at a market. From him, they found out males reach sexual maturity at age 3, which is pretty old for a canid species. Yeah. Around this time, he was making complex calls, and they actually made a recording and took it to an area where they knew there were short-eared dog sightings. And a female came out immediately when they started playing the recording. Wow. Mm -hmm. He was fitted with a tracking collar and released in 2010, and they tracked him for a total of three years. These researchers also found out the males are very territorial with one another and that females would give birth around fruiting season and that the species ate fruit more often than previously thought and likely play an important role in seed dispersal of a variety of plant species. Hmm. They are also dependent upon another rarely seen mammal in the rainforest, the giant armadillo. 
because the giant armadillo will excavate large burrows and later the Zoro will take advantage of its hard work and take refuge in it. <laughs> Lovely. Yep. The short-eared Zoro is currently listed as near threatened by the IUCN Red List. This assessment does need updating because the last time this species was assessed was over a decade ago, back in 2011. Studies indicate that species needs undisturbed habitat in order to survive because even though there have been an increase in sightings, that is likely a result of better tracking technology and more scientists and tourists in the area rather than an increase in the species number. This species is part incredibly rare in areas with significant human disturbance, including near agricultural areas. This indicates that habitat destruction may be particularly detrimental to them. They are also under threat by disease being spread from domestic dogs, such as distemper and parvovirus. Ooh. To combat this, people are trying to implement vaccination programs of domestic dogs that are in the species' geographic range. The species is technically protected, protected in most countries of its range, but these countries have not implemented specific conservation actions for the species. And given the wide range of the species, it is likely that it does live in multiple protected areas. The Jamari National Forest in Brazil was actually established in part to the presence of the species in the area. Uh, they are not currently known to be in any formal captive breeding program, and I actually couldn't find any evidence of any being in captivity at the moment. In general, a lot of research needs to be done on this species as there is very little known about it, so it is difficult to implement effective conservation programs when we know such little about its natural history. That would make sense. Yep. All right, well, these guys seem pretty cool. Yep. Interesting. All right. Well, I chose the Darwin's fox. Um, foxes are foxes, and they're adorable no matter what shape mm -hmm. or size they come in, I think, personally. Um, so the Darwin's fox name, scientific name, is Lycalopex fulvipus is what I'm going with. Yep. This species is endemic to Chile, and initially it was thought that they only live on Chiloe Island. Is that how you said it? Chiloe? Chiloe. Chiloe. Okay, that makes more sense. Island. But in the 90s, a mainland population was found in the uh, Nahuelbuta. Yep, sure. National Park. And back in 2014, they discovered another population in the Valdivian coastal region as well. They prefer living in temperate rainforest habitat. It was thought that the species were most closely associated with dense forest, but further studies have also found them in more open forested habitat and on some occasions even open pastures. It is estimated that they have a lifespan of around seven years. They are a fairly small canid species. Their head and body are 52.8 centimeters long, tail 22.1 centimeters, so cute, weight 2.72 kilograms. This species is omnivorous and highly opportunistic. They are known to hunt small animals, reptiles, birds, and insects, but also eat plant matter like fruits and seeds. Studies show that small mammals make up the largest portion of their diet. Because seeds and fruit are also an important part of its diet, it's likely the species aids in the dispersal of many plant species. Look at that, just like yours. This species got its name because Charles Darwin was the first scientist to describe it when he saw it on Chiloe. Did I just mess that up? You yep. just told me how to say this. Chiloe. Chiloe Island. Um, <clears throat> though he did not treat it particularly well, 
because he saw it watching his ship, Mariners, and Darwin snuck up on it and hit it over the head with a hammer. <sighs> not cool. Yeah, all natural history science was not pretty. Awful. Anyway, <laughs> despite its common name, Darwin's fox is not a true fox. True foxes are those in the genus Vulpus, which belong to the tribe Vulpini, which are the fox-light canids. The Darwin's fox is actually more closely related to the other major tribe of canids, Canini? Yeah. Okay. Also known as the wolf-like canids. Interesting. So it is actually more closely related to a wolf than, say, a red fox. They got the name fox because of their small size and the similar body plans is a result of convergent evolution with the different species evolving similar body plans to fulfill a similar ecological role. The Darwin's fox is a poorly studied species, so there's not much known about them, but evidence points to them being a solitary species. But they have been known to congregate together around carcasses when scavenging. There is also some evidence that suggests that they may be monogamous. It has been confirmed that they display biparental care, with both the male and female partaking in raising the offspring. Good job, guys. The parents will share their home range for an extended period of time and even share territory with the offspring of old litters, but no evidence suggests that these older siblings assist with raising the pups. Even though the species is solitary, they are not territorial and will share their home range with other foxes with little incidence of aggression. They are known to be active at both day and night, but in areas where there are South American gray foxes, they tend to be nocturnal. This is an adaptation to avoid competition with the gray foxes as they are more active during the daytime and it is an example of a concept in ecology known as niche partitioning. Niche partitioning is when animals that rely on the same resources evolve ways to use them in different ways so they can coexist in the same environment. In this instance, the Darwin's fox involves transitioning to nocturnal behavior so the species use resources at different times. The Darwin's fox is currently listed as endangered by the IUCN Red List. The species population has been on the decline and there are estimated to be only a few hundred left. Oh. Studies indicate that 90% of the population is on Chiloé. Did I yep. say it right this time? Yay. Island. You got it. I got it. <laughs> but it seems the mainland population is on the rise. This is likely due to a decline of the South American gray fox in that region. The most serious threat to the species survival is domestic dogs. They are significantly lower or sometimes uh, no Darwin foxes. What? I don't know what that's saying. Nope, I cannot. I didn't, I skipped a sentence. I was moving the thing and it moved on me. Sorry. <laughs> so the most serious threat to the species is uh, survival is domestic dogs. Studies have shown that in areas frequently occupied by dogs, there are significantly lower or sometimes no Darwin's foxes. And they also found the problem comes primarily from poorly managed free ranging dogs and not ferals. Dogs are known to chase and kill these foxes, but... They also pose a serious threat in that they can transmit deadly disease to the fox, including diseases like rabies and distemper. This is a repeated concern for conservationists, as distemper has been a problem with other species around the world, including the decline of island foxes on Santa Catalina Island. Another serious threat facing the species is habitat loss, especially considering the very small native range of the species. The Darwin's fox is included on Appendix 2 of CITES, and is listed as an endangered species in Chile. This species is also found in multiple national parks 
that offer it some protection from human encroachment. Conservationists have been working on vaccinating dogs against CDV in the species protected areas to prevent outbreaks. Also, we should just be vaccinating dogs in general. Yeah. But uh, particularly for these kinds of reasons. So anyway, there you go. So that is the Darwin's box. We learned about the short-eared dog, yes. correct? And the Darwin's box. Woohoo! Pretty cool yeah. stuff. There's actually several other South American fox species, but to sometimes to make sure there's not confusion, biologists will refer to them as the Zoros or South American Zoros and not foxes. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Casey. Yes, Sally. Where do canids like to play baseball? The dog park? At Dogger Stadium. Oh. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. All right, that brings us to our Animal of the Week. And our Animal of the Week this week is... The Kinkajou. The Kinkajou. Tell us about them. So these guys are from the order Carnivore, and they are in the family Procyonidae. Mm-hmm. And they're very cute. Anyway, yep. continue. And their scientific name is Potos Flavus. The kinkajou has a large range being found from southern Mexico down to Brazil and parts of Peru and Bolivia. They can be found in a range of forested habitat, most notably the rainforest with tropical evergreen trees, but they are also found in some dry forests as well as the forests in savannas such as in Suriname. On average, they live to be around 20 years, uh, but they have been known to live up to their 40s in captivity. Their body length is about 43 to 56 centimeters long, and they have an incredibly long tail that's about 40 to 56 centimeters long, and it can weigh from 1.4 to 3.2 kilograms. They are an omnivorous species. They will occasionally eat small mammals, but the bulk of their diet consists of fruit. This makes them very important species because they help distribute seeds of the fruit they eat making them ecosystem engineers and essentially act as gardeners of the rainforest. I feel like we've had a lot of those in South America. Yeah, there's a lot of fruits. Yeah, and all the animals we've talked about today eat fruits. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Continue on. Another one of the Kinkajou's favorite food is honey, which has led them to being given the other common name, honey bear. So cute. So technically Pooh could be like a Kinkajou. Yeah, except it doesn't have a tail. No, he doesn't look like a Kinkajou at all. (laughs) And actually, Inkajou translates to honey bear. So cute! (laughs) They have a very long tongue that's about 13 centimeters long that they will use to drink nectar out of flowers, which is reflected in their scientific name, Patos Flavus, which translates to golden drinker. Oh, that's not great. (laughs) Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm sorry, it's just... (sighs) Anyway... The golden part actually comes from their fur color, just okay, so you know. that makes sense. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. I don't really see how they look like a bear, though, but, mm-hmm. but they're real cute. Anyway, yeah. continue. When they feed on the nectar of flowers, they also incidentally get some pollen on them, which also makes them important pollinators for various plant species. It turns out that kingajous are the most basal member of the Procyonidae family, which is also known as the raccoon family for the common folk meaning that they were the first species to diverge from the lineage that would lead to all other members of this family of mammals. This makes the Kinkajou the most evolutionary streak member of the Procyonids, and the Zoological Society of London... London? Zoological Society of London 
determined in their assessment that they represent about 18.6 million years of unique evolutionary history. They are an arboreal species, so they spend the majority of their time in the trees. Like many other arboreal mammals, they have ankles that can rotate 180 degrees, allowing them to climb down a tree head first. Like a kawadi. Yep. They also have a prehensile tail, which they use like a fifth limb, which grips onto branches and gives them greater stability as they're moving amongst the tree branches. This tree is strong enough that they can support their whole body weight while hanging upside down just using their tail. The tail is about as long as the rest of their body, which gives them great balance while walking on tree branches. And they will also use it like a blanket to keep them cozy while they're sleeping in a rainforest oh canopy. Oh my god, how cute! <laughs> the Kingaju is actually one of only two carnivores that have prehensile tails. Do you know the other one, Allie? I should. Yes, you should. I should really know it. It's prehensile and it's carnivore. Um, the quaddies aren't prehensile, though, are they? Mm -mm. I don't They're think also so. not. Nope. Have we talked about them? Yes, we have. Oh, God. It's a different continent, though. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be... Um... Oh, my God. Why can't I think of what they're called? A tarsier? No. Those are mammals. Oh. I mean, <laughs> of course they're mammals. <laughs> they're uh, primates. Um. Who am I thinking? It's Asia, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I thinking of? They smell <laughs> like popcorn. <laughs> that look you just gave me. I'm judging you. That's why. Aventurong? Yes. Okay. My goodness. I don't know. That was just very weird. Anyway. Uh, okay. Continue on. That's I obviously also don't know all the countries in South America. Oh, so, you goodness. know, move on. Traits like the prehensile tail make the Kikuju somewhat resemble New World monkeys, but they are not primates at all. As I mentioned earlier, they are a member of the raccoon family. They are also a somewhat social species and live in groups called troops up in the canopy of the rainforest, but spend most of their time alone. When they do get together, they will often feed in close proximity, but will also partake in more social behaviors like playing and grooming as well as sleeping together. Usually, a group will consist of two males and one female and their offspring. They have a pretty unique mating system. There will be a dominant male that mates with the female in his territory, as well as other females near the edge of his home range. This dominant male is also the one that does most of the mating with the female in the group, but sometimes the subordinate male will also be allowed to mate with the female. Hmm. This is somewhat like a polyandrous mating system. Um, but due, due to the social structure, but it is truly a promiscuous mating system due to the fact that the males mating with multiple females of other groups. Hmm. Is, it is possible that this social structure evolved in kinkajus because being so small, a single kinkaju can only defend a small territory. So a second male can help better defend their group's territory than a lone male could. Hmm, interesting. Even though they live in this group, the female bears full responsibility for raising the young, and they usually have just one offspring at a time. Even though the males don't provide parental care, they are not aggressive toward the young and have been known to share dens and fruit trees with them and have even been observed playing with the young. Aww. Even though this species is rarely seen in its native habitat, 
it may be likely that you can hear it as they are very vocal species that make a wide range of calls, including high-pitched squeaks, hisses, and barking noises. I want to hear them. This screeching and barking in the forest led them to get another nickname, La Llorona. Okay. What does that translate to? Uh, crying woman. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's also the name of a, a myth. Uh, oh, okay. Like, have you seen... Like have a you heard? Bloody Mary type situation? Yeah. La Llorona crying from murdering. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There was also a movie about it. I was going to say, it sounds like it's a horror movie type mm-hmm. thing, yeah. Yeah. The King of Joe is actually... I have... Not confirmed this to a source, but I bet I have a hypothesis that they are actually uh, an example of niche partitioning um, because they fulfill a lot because they are primarily nocturnal mm-hmm. and they perform a lot of the roles that monkeys and several birds fulfill during the day. So it's possible to avoid competition. They are nocturnal. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, the kinkajou loves honey and will often raid honeybee nests to get it. Even though the kinkajou is nocturnal and active at night when bees' activity is very low, they still have to deal with stinging bees that will become defensive when they try to raid the hide. However, the bees are still not much of a problem for the kinkajou because they have fur that is so dense the bees can't sting their skin, so their only vulnerable areas are their eyes and nose. Wow. (laughs) The kinkajou is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list, uh, but their population is currently in decline. The most significant threat to this species um, is loss of habitat due to deforestation, which has led them to being listed under CITES Appendix 3 in Honduras. They are also hunted for bushmeat and caught to be smuggled into the illegal pet trade. Despite how incredibly cute they may be, they are horrible pets, and they have a very nasty bite. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Also, they are a nocturnal species, so when people try to keep them as pets and try to play with them during the day, they are often bit because they are just trying to get some sleep. Yeah, I'd be annoyed too. Mm-hmm. A sanctuary in Florida has found that actually 10 to 15% of kinkajous taken as pets, only t- that small amount stays with their home and an overwhelming majority are relinquished. Wow. Mm-hmm. They are really cute. I'm hoping yep. I can get a good picture of them. Can we just talk about how this is like a school <laughs> photo? Is that not a school photo? That's crazy. They're ridiculously cute, but most of these mm-hmm. animals, well, I feel like also most of the situations, the animals are nocturnal. Mm-hmm. So that's your first part of your problem. <laughs> anyway, so, um, all right. So is that the kinkajou? That is the kinkajou. They're so cute. I love them. Yep. I'm so happy they're we got to talk about them. They're one of my favorite mammals they're pretty they're pretty stinking cute mm-hmm. I, i'm a big fan they're adorable i was like we can't get through south america without talking about a kinkajou we have to get mm-hmm. to this anyway all right so that brings us to our challenge we are kicking off another season of cups which is sort of like taboo if you don't know what our cups is um except for we have no limitations on the words we can say we just can't say words that are in the actual word i haven't played taboo in actually so long <laughs> What? I haven't played Taboo so long. I love that game. Me too. We should play it. I have it somewhere. Anyway, it's kind of hard to do with two people, though. How much time do we give? Five minutes. Okay. Oh, no. Is it not five? It has to be five minutes. I feel like it is because we've gone on way too long one time. Oh, God. I think it's five. Is it five? We're going to find out. We're going to do five. Okay. I should have looked this up before we started. I'm sorry, y'all. We'll do five, and if we're doing terrible, then we'll know that we usually do ten. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, I didn't get the dice one, 
Mm, it's here. There it is. Um, sorry, noise. Ha. All right, evens or odds? I'm always even. You're always odd. Yes, because I'm odd. Oh man, another wasted nineteen. <laughs> All right, it's you. Apparently, that's significant. Yes, that's nineteen. So if you're rolling a nat twenty, mm -hmm. that is like you just ace that. So if I was like parkouring over, you know, I don't know why Seattle came to my mind, but like off buildings and stuff, and I roll nat twenty, I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm like amazing. But if you roll nat one, you fall flat on your face. So nineteen's amazing. Anyway, okay, so you're going first. All right. Got the timer ready? Yes. Okay, I'm just getting mine ready so I don't have to pull it out. Okay, and go. Oh, world's largest rodent. Capybara. Yep. Uh, okay, I love them. They look kind of like a dragon to me. Um, we did them. It was one of our animals of the week for our wild card month, and they go in a little circle, oh. and they bite their... Armadillo lizard. There's uh, more to it than that. It's something people oh, wear to keep armadillo their... armadillo girdle lizard. Switch those. Girdled armadillo lizard. There we go, good. Oh, um, there is... What's a nocturnal bird of prey? An owl. Um, the smallest ones are... A burrowing owl? Okay, I love them. Oh, okay, this was also... I think this may have also been our, um, our wild card. This is... Uh, I can say that. It's a bird. And it has a color on its bottom things that it stands on. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's my favorite color. Blue? Yeah. Oh, blue-footed booby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so confused. <laughs> okay. Um, so you cut down trees with a... Axe? A saw. Yeah. A chainsaw. Um, a saw. It's a fish. Damn it. Get rid of it. Put it aside. Well, don't get rid of it. Put it aside. All right. Start a new one. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> gills? I don't know what It that does is. have gills. You're not supposed to act it out, by the way. You're supposed to just be words. <laughs> they live in Antarctica. They live deep underwater. They do breathe underwater, so that makes it a... A fish. And what is there in Antarctica that's very cold that you put ice. in your drink? Oh, a uh, Jonas ice fish? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, this is bird, and they have very fancy tail feathers. Peacock. Yep. Okay, so that. Okay. Not hop, but. Jump. <laughs> I don't know what that was. A very common arachnids are. Spiders. Put it all together. Peacock jumping spider. Yay. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is upside down. Um, I feel like this is cheating if I just use one of its other names, so I won't. It is a feline species mm -hmm. that is commonly found in America. Bobcat. A larger one. Cougar. Mountain lion. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so we just talked about South American canids. Yeah. It was one of the ones we did animal of the week for. A bush dog? That was a 50% chance. Uh, you chose this. Oh, Lord. I can't say those words. I don't remember what the category was. Um, oh, boy. <sighs> there, okay, so there's a type of cow known as the Texas... Longhorn? Yes. And... Oh, Longhorn. I can't say it because it I didn't realize that word was in that part. Oh. Just kidding. Oh, I, uh, I know what it is. I that was there. Mm. My bad. Um, that's upside down. We both done goofed this time. We done goofed. Okay, this... Was this your choice or my choice? These, um, 
they're primates. Okay. And am I losing my mind? I think these are the ones that go in the little um, the little jacuzzis, the little hot springs. Oh, um, Japanese macaque. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the these are the people that think they can buy a grizzly bear. They were the Americans. Yeah. Okay. So it's an insect. Um. That likes another word for dig, is or oh you do this with a body. <laughs> Hide it, bury. <laughs> um, it's an insect, hard shell. Okay, American. Think ladybug. Very beetle. Yes. American burying beetle. Okay. Um. Oh my god, I had it the right side first. I can't say that. That's too obvious. Um, the animal we both mostly want to see at the zoo. And we have both struggled to see it. Axolotl? Yep. I was like, you're a shirt. But that's true. Um, so, op- opposite of blue. Red? Uh-huh. And not the tail, but the... A red-headed? A red feather? A tail? Yeah, you had it. Um, and we go climbing on the... Tree? Monkey bars? They're solid, hard. On a trail, you skip. Rocks? A red-headed rockagama. Yes. Yay. Oh, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That one was intense. All right. Let's see how we did. Seven. I have a feeling we usually did 10 minutes, but I think five is better. Okay, so I did six. So 13. 13 is what we got. Mm. And we both done goofed. Yep. Ugh, silly us. Anyway, um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening. That brings us to the end of episode 87. Next week's episode will be our listener's choice in South America. So I know it's going to be something crazy. Um, So... And don't forget, if you join Patreon, you can have a say in what that listener's choice is going to be. So check it out. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Bye.